Welcome to the Inspired Women Podcast. I am your host, Megan Hall, psychology grad student, spouse, mom, and advocate for change. On this podcast, I provide a space for women to share their stories. Warning, sometimes we chat about taboo topics and drop some F-bombs. Thank you for tuning in with me today and enjoy the episode. Today, I'm here with Birgitta Visser. Uh, She is a soul empowerment coach delivering messages from the many master teachers integral to helping elevate the consciousness of humanity and the planet. Uh, Being a Dutch mutt, what is a Dutch mutt? I'm Dutch mix. So I'm, my mom is, uh, my mom is dark skinned. So she's Indian, Indonesian with a bit of French and Belgian, and my okay. dad was German Dutch, although born in Holland. Okay, I just call myself an American mutt sometimes because people are like, "What? What is your like ancestry?" I'm like, I don't know. A bunch of white people. Like, <laughs> I am white, white. So like, there's no. I mean, maybe someplace if I did one of those like you know, 23 and me's, I'd be surprised, but chances are from what I know, it's like Germany and England and like Irish. Uh, Yeah. A lot of white people. That's what's, but anyway, (laughs) it's good to know. It's the same thing I say, but I was like, maybe I'm wrong. (laughs) But anyways, she sees herself as a bit of a bike messenger across the landscapes of time and space. Her often turbulent journey has been a steep learning curve, I feel you, often stumbling through the darkness of her trauma, yet never giving up. She has learned to embrace all aspects of herself, the good, the bad, the and the ugly, taking responsibility for her life and her experiences, heal up and hug it out with herself. Birgitta hopes that people will awaken to what life is truly all about, unlocking their own potential and inspiring them to return to their authentic nature by healing their ingrained trauma and shaking their conditioning. And I've been working on that. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, she says life's too short, pretending to be someone we are not, remaining in the space of the painted lines of who we believe ourselves to be, rather than recovering the brilliance of the light we are and always have been. By alchemizing, ooh, alchemizing. I'm like, I never said that word before. (laughs) The held on trauma of our experiences, taking risks and soaring to new heights and actually living life rather than allowing ourselves to be lived. By the way, people think it's hilarious when I make my little comments. (laughs) Bios, I can't help myself. All right, it's okay. Welcome to the podcast. Alchemizing. I said alchemy, but I've never said alchemizing in my life. So I was like, all right, look at that. Welcome to the podcast, Brigida. Oh, thank you for having me, Megan. Uh, So when your publicist, I think it was, applied, um, she talked to they, they talked about, (laughs) I'm trying not to assume people's genders at this point. I'm just he. like, you know, unless it says, what is it? He or she? He. he. Okay. See, I totally messed it up anyways. I should just stick oh, with that. It doesn't matter. <laughs> 
Um, he talked about trauma and you sharing your journey of trauma and healing. So I'd like to start with you sharing a little bit. Oh, so we should probably have a trigger warning. We're going to talk about trauma. So <laughs> I always forget. And I'm just like, then I don't want to have to go back and add it later on. Cause like, sometimes if I don't say it at the beginning, I have to go back and like do a little snippet and add it at the beginning. And it's just so trauma. If anybody's not in the headspace, visit the 380 some episodes we have, but anyways, I would love for you to share a little bit about your trauma and you know, how, you know, what happened to bring you to the place that you needed to heal yourself and all the things you talked about in your bio. Wow. Where do I start? I know. It's you like know? such a heavy thing where you're just like, I don't know. It's my entire life. <laughs> it kind of is. And, um, you know, as I said in the bio, it's all about living our life and not allowing ourselves to be lived. It's so, it's so, so important. Um, but I mean, trauma is part of the human experience. Mm -hmm. We grow through our traumas, our circumstances, our experiences. And I will always say this, we can either choose to remain or decide to remain chained to our victimhood or take that responsibility, that accountability to, you know, look at our lives and, you know, improve ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, but that took me a very, very long time, you know, because I was, uh, when I popped out of the womb in 1974, I'm a... Oh, my God, I didn't even, I would never have guessed 1974. I would Oh, have. yeah, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm getting to... Uh, but then again... I'm nearly right. I'm right. <laughs> but then again, I'm like 1986, and people are just like, you don't look that. I'm like, I swear, I am that old. It's like they're like, I would have guessed like er, like early 30s. No, mm-hmm. I am gonna be 37 this year. I'm slowly encroaching on the 40s. So yes, but you definitely don't look that. I would have gave you like maybe a couple years older than me. So there you go. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> That's why you like the 1990s music and I like the 1980s music. Yes, I do like some 1980s music. I was brought up on classic rock. And so, you know, I do enjoy that very much. And like some 1980s country. I can deal with, okay, right now I don't like country. I'm just going to be honest because it's too poppy. But like in the 80s and 90s, it was it was like, that's, I don't know. That's that's the kind of country I I like. You know, I just nowadays, I don't know. I don't know if you listen to country at all, but I like, definitely do. Do you like the current country? Oh, like, I do. There's uh, there is um, uh, Luke Bryant. Uh, what's the other guy's name? Um, come on. Oh, I can't even remember. They, they, they're Morgan. more country, though. They're more like older country. Like, they're more country. That's We're like, threat. yeah, some of the newer ones are like really yeah. poppy. And I'm like, hmm. No. Anyways, yes. <laughs> you popped out of the womb. Yes, I popped out of the womb. And um, it was, well, I moved around, I've moved around more times than my age. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm a bit of a nomad. And I grew up in Singapore, Malaysia with my parents and my sister. And that's where I was abused by a friend of the family. Mm-hmm. And these always is a friend or a family member. 
I swear. And it, growing up in the 1980s was very different to what life is like now. Mm-hmm. So it's not like something I spoke of. And at the time we were living with this friend of the, uh, with this friend, because we had to move because my my parents had lost the, the place where we were living. We had to move. And so we stayed at a friend's place for a while. And that I just, you know, I didn't understand it. And it was, that wasn't the only thing that happened. Even at school, uh, the teacher, uh, my sister and I, after school, we had uh, Bahasa Malay uh, tuition. And the teacher would just stroke his hand all the way up my skirt when he was checking the exercises. You know, he, we, I mean, in, in those days, you went up to the desk of the teacher and, you know, they would check your exercises. I don't know yeah. how it's done today. Probably different because everything. Yeah, it's different. But I, I dealt with that too, like where you had to bring it up. So, yeah, so I feel yeah. you. But my kids are in school and they don't have to do any of that. <laughs> no. <laughs> and my sister noticed that. And so she told our parent, our parents, my parents went to the head teacher and I had to write down exactly what happened. And I felt horrified. Mm. I mean, as a 10 year old, you don't know. You honestly just don't know. And then what happened was the teacher was fired and I felt so guilty. So it was two things kind of happening at the same time. And from there, you know, my dad, we went back to Holland. I never spoke of, of, of the fact that a friend of the family abused me. Never. I didn't until I was mm. 19 years old. Wow. And so I kept that in. But what happened was, you know, when you carry that trauma, mm-hmm. you create more trauma because you're not healing that. Mm-hmm. You're not healing the hurt. And you just you, know, you're, you keep it inside. And so when I was 13, we returned to, uh, we returned to, to Holland as my dad was uh, totally bankrupt. And so we had to start again, but he, he passed, he passed away in July of 1988 um, because he had coronary heart disease and he literally just fell off his bike when he was cycling in Holland and he took a last breath and that was it. But so that was hard for me, but I was also bullied at school because I was super, Mm -hmm. super skinny. And honestly, Megan, I was very good at throwing away my food. Yeah, my mom would make my sandwiches or, you know, I would make my sandwiches in the morning. And then at school, it went into the trash. I sat, you know, at home in the evening. uh, I would eat at the dinner table. So, but I was always very skinny. I had a skinny my unlike my sister um and i was bullied because of it Uh, Mm -hmm. you know i had knobbly giraffe legs after pe sessions in the changing rooms i didn't want the girls to see me right always oh it was terrible i didn't want to take a shower hell no so i never did and you know i looked at them and i was thinking oh my god they're so perfect and look at me i got nothing you know there's nothing on me yeah. I would make sure that I was always the first one in the changing room and uh, uh, kind of be the last one out. That's how bad it was. And also when I had to go to a classroom and I always say people to people, I was probably wired the wrong way, 
but I had so much fear in me, you mm-hmm. know, simple. I mean, I mean, teenagers and especially the boys. And if my classroom was, um, was how, how do I put this? If my classroom was past and I had to walk past the boy, I would not take that route. I would take a whole other route to Uh, the classroom. I just didn't dare to pass them. Yeah. And it wasn't only that. When I went to Belgium, uh, it was like a camping trip for school. There was one of the kids and uh, he pulled me aside. One of the popular kids pulled me aside and he put, put my arm up and he shouted, look how skinny she is in front oh my of gosh. everyone. And that just really also dented my confidence. So I became really insecure mm-hmm. and I wasn't very, gosh, I could say I wasn't the brightest bulb in the classroom. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I think that was because of my insecurities and I, I did, just didn't enjoy school. And then my mother put me on a modeling course, you know, to try and quick up my confidence because I was really walking around like Quasimodo for like the hunchback of Notre Dame because I wanted to be invisible. And she put me on this course and it just didn't, it didn't help at all because I wasn't healing. I wasn't dealing Mm -hmm. with my issues at all. And then I was picked up by a hairdresser and I had pretty hair and he chopped it off into a piece. (gasps) Oh no. Oh goodness. I just, oh my goodness. I just, no, it was horrible, horrible because I have that kind of wavy hair. So it just. When I got up in the morning, it was just everywhere. I, I, yeah, that would be me if I, I mean, I had a really short hair at one point in time, but we had to cut it a certain way because otherwise it was just like everywhere. I felt terrible, terrible. But even in the modeling industry, I was assaulted. And this happened in New York by a hairdresser who fingered me. And, you know, people can say, well, you should have kicked him in the nuts. But when you're in such a situation, you do not know how to react because it was just like from one second to the next. Mm-hmm. I didn't even ask for it. Um, and so I kept that bottled up inside as well. And one of the things, you know, I mean, I, I rolled into toxic relationships because I just didn't heal. And that's yeah. why they were very dysfunctional. Um, but I look back on all of them and I oh, and there weren't many. And I'm thankful for all the experiences they cast my way because I wouldn't be who I am today if it weren't for everything that I've been through. And when I say dysfunctional, it was mentally abusive. One of them got into bed with the Dutch Crips um, because he was like a part-time crack addict. There's a Crips there too. Yeah, in Holland, the guy is on trial. It's the biggest. Um, it's the biggest case that the prosecution has ever seen in Holland because he, the guy Delano, he, you call it like murder for hire. So he was a broker, a broker for yeah. murder for hire. Wow! So they had to garner evidence for years and years, and so they did that. But um, I mean, you know, my ex is doing very well now. Actually, he's he's fine. <laughs> you know, he's well, that's good. Many many of his demons. But it was, I mean, this is a long time ago. This was back in two thousand nine. 
And that actually was the start of my healing journey. And so that's how I rolled into all these holistic modalities of Reiki. Because I went to see a counselor and the counselor said, oh, you know what, Brigida, you're strong enough. You'll be fine. <gasps> how am I going to do that? Oh, my. Yes, I do remember it. I'm sitting there and telling her everything. And because, you know, I also had my life threatened by this guy, um, by the leader of the Crips. And I already left the country. My mother took me out of Holland, you know, in the space of like three days, packed everything up, boom, and back to the, the UK. And I tried to, well, very lame attempt on my own life. I took a whole box of ibuprofen. Mm, yeah. Uh, that, that, that just, oh, you know, all it did, Megan, was I, it got rid of my headache and I slept like 12 hours. That was it. <laughs> that was it. But um, that that's one of the reasons that I went to counseling because I just couldn't go on anymore the way that I had. And that didn't work for me. So I had to think and I just had to to see how, you know, who could help me heal. It wasn't like I came here with a cheat sheet, you know what, you call this person or do this. Mm-hmm. So I had to figure that out. And um, yeah, so I, I studied Reiki. I actually became a Reiki master after many years. I studied EFT, which is the emotional freedom technique, which is really so, oh. so powerful. Wow. You tap, yeah, you tap the emotions out of your out of your system so that you can talk about uh, whatever you went through without the uh, the flare up of these emotions. Oh, okay. See, I did EMDR. I don't know if you've heard of that, but it, yeah, it's not. I mean, you don't tap. But like the lights and stuff and the vibrations are supposed to do something similar where like you think about these things, but the emotion goes away. Right. Like I can think about things that happened to me younger. I mean, I was I was assaulted as well when I was a kid and stuff like that. And I was an abusive relationship and all these different things that I can think of them now and not have a total meltdown. Exactly. Yeah. So that's amazing. That's that's amazing as well. And people always think that healing has to be difficult, but it's not mm-hmm. difficult. Uh, you just have to do some soul searching. And it doesn't matter how you choose to heal. That's entirely up to you. It's whatever works for you. Mm-hmm. You know, for me, I mean, I also studied aromatherapy, aroma touch, uh, holistic nutrition. I became a meditation teacher. um yeah the meditative art workshop so I gave meditation and then I told people that after the meditation to just paint and I had some people say but I can't paint I said just just be relaxed because you're already relaxed and use the colors that speak to you and the paintings they painted were amazing some were really incredible and so I would explain to them what it meant because, you know, you've got the colors and the textures and everything. So uh, I enjoyed doing that. I actually did that in Florida and I, I gave quite a few workshops. Wow. You yeah, really did so, move around to different places. I have moved around. I, <laughs> you know, I, I grew up, as I said, in Singapore, Malaysia and in Holland. I lived in Istanbul. It's where I learned to bartend, actually. Oh, I used to be a bartender, too. Yes. <laughs> so I tried the modeling there, but, you know. I was never, I hardly worked in the modeling industry because I didn't have such a thick skin and there were many that slept around and that just wasn't me. Absolutely not. 
Um, so I've seen it, you know, when I used to go to castings, they would flip through my portfolio. Now everything is done online. And when, yeah. you know, they take my comp card and then it was like, next. I honestly, I, I don't know how people can live of it, but I mean, even agencies took like a year to pay me. And that's ridiculous. One oh my gosh. Yeah. One of the agencies said I owed her money. Uh, this was Monique Models in London. And I, I, it wasn't much, but I didn't ask her to make a whole whole load of comp cards for me. And she refused to return my original portfolio. And I think it landed in the trash. Mm. <laughs> Unbelievable. People. Yes, People. I know. I know. But, you know, and I also saw many of them doing drugs. Yes, I had my stint with drugs, but that wasn't in the modeling industry. That was when my stepdad crossed over in 2000 um, and he had cancer. And my mom, I was there for my mom, but I had nobody. And mm -hmm. so you could say I landed with, you know, I landed in with the wrong crowd, but it really wasn't the wrong crowd. It was just me that took um, ecstasy and, and cocaine. And I, I suffered memory loss. And I had sex on 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 E, and it was horrific because I wasn't even I wasn't even there. I wasn't even I, I like I hardly. I mean, I was there, but I wasn't there. Yeah, That's how far gone I was, and I felt I felt horrific after that. And honestly, I threw away my clothes. I washed them, threw them to charity because I just felt I felt dirty. That's that's how bad. Yeah, and yeah. that wasn't the. Yeah, I can relate. I mean, just to, I don't want to interrupt, but I can relate okay. not to the drugs, but to like the I mean, I drank a lot when I was younger to like deal with it. And I can I can relate to like the, you know, trauma as a child and trauma as a young adult and, you know, feeling like you I mean, like you said, you kept attracting like, right. You yeah. just and I did, too, because like you're hurt and you just want to be loved and you just want to feel something. But like, because you're hurt, you keep attracting the wrong people. And like, it wasn't until I met my spouse, which I don't ask me how I attracted him. I don't know. We were at a wedding and he's like the nicest human being in the world. And I, I just like, if it wasn't for him, like being in that relationship with somebody who was really loving and supportive, I would have just date on that track of like do and I probably would have never got my di mental health diagnosis with bipolar disorder I probably would never healed a lot of things I mean right now to right now the only thing that I'm struggling to heal is my relationship with my mom I don't talk to her and every time she tries to contact me so I blocked her on everything but you can't block people from sending you mail and she will occasionally send me mail. And if I see it, it just triggers me. Like I'll have night terrors. I will like, it's just a mess. So that's the only thing, but a lot of it I have, and I can think about these things. And I've actually been able to forgive these people and, and try to understand where they're coming from. Like my abusive ex, he has mental health problems. He w went through trauma as a child. Like he was doing drugs and drinking and all these things where I can have like this compassion for him to know he must have been hurting really bad to do that. Right. So I can totally relate to what you're talking to about. And you're right. We attract these people because that's exactly the energy that we vibe out. You know, it's this chemical formulation of energy. And that's exactly <laughs> what we reel back in. And yeah, 
that's you know and I, I i look back and you know even my my exes were like i said they were all dysfunctional they all had their problems but they have all sorted themselves out mm-hmm. but what we don't realize is often that when we stay in a relationship we stump our own growth but we also stump the other person's yep. growth because what we do we try to fix them we love yes you know these lovely refurbishment projects, but uh, you can't. You can't help them. They need to no, help I... themselves. You've got to help yourself. And because I didn't help myself, I projected that onto the other person, trying to mold them, shape them, and it just wasn't working. You no. know, and I retreated even more and more. I got frustrated. But the only thing that kept me going was Hallelujah. I kept starving myself, and I just kept working like a maniac. And that's what kept me going because I was running away from my emotions, you know, mm-hmm. um, and I was tucking them away. But eventually, you know, you can't outrun them because it will just hit you like a brick wall. But it's hard. It's hard to process those emotions because yes. it's just like, I don't want, I just want to hide from them because right. that's, that's painful. But then like, once you've gotten through the healing, you're like, well, it may have been painful in the process, but I feel so much better now. That's really true because you start to take responsibility, right? You take that accountability for your life and think, you know, I can't go on like this anymore um, because everything just kind of falls apart. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean that I'm not going through crap right now. You can say Shay, it's okay. It's this is. This is explicit. It's okay. <laughs> I thought you go and then stop and say crap. And I'm like, you can say, you can say all of the words. That's right. why it's explicit. Exactly. I have yeah. a potty mouth. Sometimes I drop the F-bomb on here. I don't, you know, I'm like, I can't help it. So just <laughs> go for it. <laughs> yeah, for, no, you know, I mean, we, we go through shit. But even now I'm going through something that that really... It's it's hard because the world is changing so much. Mm-hmm. I mean, we live in these beautiful transformational times, but everything's going to well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yes. Yes. <laughs> everything's going, going to shit. right Literally. to shit. Yes, it is. Literally, and it's got to fall apart. It has to mm-hmm. fall apart because honestly, our soul was not designed to live this way. I mean, I've been working, as I said earlier to you, about seventy hours a week. It's Killed me physically and mentally. And it's only because many companies, you know, corporations, they've cut down on people and they're trying to, you know, oh, great, you're working from home. Yeah, I'm sorry. Sometimes I start at four in the morning and I finish late at night. That's not right. That's not right. But, But companies have cut down. And so a lot of it falls on, you know, you do like dual, dual roles. And I mean, it doesn't even, I mean, yeah, you get paid more, but is it even worth it? No, it's not worth it. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you, this is what happens. It makes you reevaluate life. Everything that you go through that doesn't sit well with yourself or you're not sitting peachy in your own skin, you reevaluate and think, you know what, what is it that I really want out of life rather than sitting and mulling around in your crap and saying, you know what? Oh, my life is so shit. Oh God, you know, and this and that and blah, blah, blah. You're not, nothing's going to happen if you keep moaning and bitching about your life. Yeah. Right. You need to do something. You need to get off that couch and do something. 
your life does not get better by magic, honestly. You know, it gets better when you start doing the work. Yeah. And and I mean, so yeah, it's I always say with life, we go through things and then it's like it's it's like this game of um uh Mario Brothers or Donkey Kong. I always compare it to that, you know, <laughs> and in order to level up. You play this one level. I God knows how many times, right? And every time, oh my play, God, I know. Like, oh my God, and you <laughs> and your thumbs are becoming glue on that joystick, and <laughs> you have to keep trying. And so, once you finish that level and you've learned the lesson within that experience, it's like, yes, okay, I'm, 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 you know, I'm leveling up. Yeah, and that that's just the way. That's just the way life is. And I always call it the cosmic game of evolution. If you see it like a board game of life, right? And you roll the dice and you just embrace all your experiences rather than kicking them to the curb and thinking, okay, I'm going to deal with it later. Oh, because at the end of the day, you're going to lug it all with you. It's still there. It's still there. <laughs> yeah. Um, so my healing didn't go overnight. It's It's been a long, long journey. And I'm still not done, you know? I'm still... I'm. I'm a flawed person. I don't think we're ever perfect. done. Yeah. No, we're never, 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 never. Like if you if you stay stuck in that one place, the world just goes on like ahead of you. It just passes you by. And so you got to heal, but then you're going to go through some stuff. And so then you're going to have to heal. It's just being human. We have to deal with other humans who are also flawed yeah. and do crazy things where you're just like, why, why are you doing this right now? And then you have to heal and you move on. And like, it's, our lives aren't perfect. They're messy and they're, you know, chaotic. And like, I had like a really long friendship and like last year and it was heartbreaking. And it yeah. took me a long time to process that, like, like a year to process that and like feel better. Right. I, and, and that was hard. And it's not going to be the last time. Like we, we're human we are and everything that we go through should expand our consciousness and that we understand the experiences so the next time it happens we're kind of like oh you know i've been through that it's okay yeah it's okay and then we move on but we don't attract that same energy because we've changed the frequency of our energy so we attract different things and that's why i say it's always very important to learn to love yourself again because how many people, my dad always used to say this, it's like in front of the mirror and say, I love you to yourself. That's hard. How many people can do that. Yeah, it's difficult. I mean, I look at myself and think, oh, but yeah, I can't say it. No, no, I can't say it. There are days where I'm like, really like, oh. And so the other thing that really, really helps me is meditation. Mm, and I yeah. like to just listen to, which is easy. Uh, I like to listen to David G um, on YouTube. Oh, I've not um, heard of that. How do you pronounce? Or so not pronounce, spell. <laughs> spell. So David. Okay. And then the next word is J-I. Okay. I'll have to link that up in the show notes for people. Yeah. And so you listen to that for like 20. He's got so many overcoming fear, anxiety, um, you know, how to be successful. And they're like 20 minute meditations and you just follow them and you do the breathing exercises because we breathe very shallow, right? It's mostly mm -hmm. from here to, to up here. Yeah. No diaphragm. 
No, yeah. And it's really you need to breathe all the way down to say uh, your root chakra or below your belly button and then breathe all the way up. And I always say to people, start with four counts. So you breathe in four counts, hold it for four, breathe out four and hold it for four. And once you once you get that, then do the eight counts. And it's really, really powerful because and it's really simple, but it just rebalances you and it it really helps calm you down. So people say, yeah, but what if I've got so many thoughts running through my mind? Well, all you need to do, that doesn't matter. All you need to do is become aware of it and go back to the breath. Yes. People think when you meditate, you just got to clear your mind. That's not going to happen. Nobody can keep their mind clear for that long. Just you, you see the thought, you recognize the thought, you acknowledge it, and then you go back. Yes, you go back to the breath. You go back to exactly that. Um, and it's very, very simple. Um, I do that. I think that's what's kept me going, but it's not It's not been healthy for, for, for me to keep going like this. But sometimes we get put into situations where, just like I said, you know, it's about reevaluating your life. Is this really what you want? Mm-hmm. Or do you want something else out of life? Is it about living your life or allowing yourself to be lived because people always and i know this you know i mean especially in the times we live in megan prices <sighs> have shot up the cost of living here in the uk has tripled and quadrupled yeah and it's insane i've been um, fortunate my landlord because we rent he even though the prices shot up here he just kind of I think it's partially because he's not motivated to do the fixes to the place. He would have to, to rent more, yeah. but I'm okay with that because I don't have my rent increased. Um, so, but yeah, it's just like they have like, right. But I think there's going to be a turn. I don't know about in the UK, but in the United States, cause they've shot up like the, the uh, interest rates. And yeah. so now people aren't going to be able to just go and buy all these places and set all this high rent. Now you're going to have to be competitive. Yeah. Yeah. This is very true. Even here in the UK in a building that I live in, when pe- with four or five people view a property, guess what they do now it's the highest bidder. And yeah. it's like, you can't do this criminal. Right. But uh, that's just the that's just the lay of the land. People just do whatever they want. But it's just, yeah, the UK is, ex- is extremely expensive now. And the weight, I mean, the wages, like I said, I mean, I make okay. I do, I do okay. But a lot of it, I think three quarters goes to bills now. And wow. That's, that's really insane. That yeah no I feel you I I would say yeah uh, probably a good like half to yeah at least half if not three quarters goes to like my utility bill alone is like three hundred dollars a month oh. like it's insane like American dollars but like yeah. it, it's disgusting I mean I live in one of the most expensive states like it's in the top ten of expensive states. But it's $300? I don't even use that. Half of that is the the utility company charging me for delivery. And I put that in quotes. I'm like, there's no way it costs you $150 to deliver me my electricity. No, but they can. This is the thing. They can. Yeah. And But but it's, you know, it's put a lot of pressure on people. And it's, it's, you know, it's like how... 
I understand it. So it's put a lot of pressure on the mental health and the mental well-being of people mm-hmm. right now. Like, how are they going to make ends meet? Yeah. And, you know, not only that, but there's a lot of peer pressure. There is a social pressure and work pressure, incredible work pressure. Mm-hmm. So um, all I can say to people is like, you know, you just got to breathe through it. You just got to go with the flow and just reevaluate your life and see what it is that you want out of life because you are free to choose. And I understand that I'm very much free to choose. So I know for me, this is only going to be a couple more months of this work because I've put something, I put a plan in action and I will always follow through. So I'm not one to sit, even though it's tough, I'm not one to sit, you know, um, mauling around in my own crap so to speak I just push forward and that is the thing because you know before you know it life is over yeah you know we could be here today and gone tomorrow and then it's like well I wish I'd done that or done that yeah I've been having some health problems recently and I went to my and of course you think like you know don't google things because you'll think you're dying (laughs) just like I kept think, I keep thinking like I don't want to die. I have so much to do. Oh, and then I like, and then I get my blood work back and I was just like, oh, these are things that are like they're they're gonna be it's gonna be fine. I'm not dying. Okay. I mean we, I do have to get like some um a cat scan done not on my abdomen, not my brain. Okay. Um and- <laughs> Yeah, and not my brain. Um, but it's like things that I'm like, this is probably a problem that's like really simple to like, you know, but like, you know, in that moment, you're like, I'm dying. <laughs> and I, I'm like Googling and it's like, you're going to die. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't want to die. I have so much to do. But yeah, you know, life is short. Like you want to do the things, right? You want to, and you are going to go through moments in time where you have to go through the suck to get on the other side. Like right now, I just recently applied to PhD programs and I did four interviews and I have not gotten acceptance yet. And I've gotten a rejection out of those four. I got a rejection from everybody else too, but like, and I haven't heard back from one. I don't know what's going on. And that's the one I, I'm like really interested in. And I got one where it's like, you're number two. So if somebody else rejects their offer, you're going to get one. I'm like, but don't, what if they don't, right? And then so it's like this mess. And I'm like, this sucks. It like pushed me into a depressive episode because I'm bipolar. And I was like, but this is just a moment in time. Like it, this will pass. And I have a backup plan because that's how my brain works. If I don't get in this time, I'll try again. But yeah. like, you know, like it's a moment in time. If I just sat and like, this is going to suck forever, I would never get past it. Absolutely. And that's that victimhood, right? And many people yeah. remain there in that victimhood. And then they wonder why their life's been shot to hell. Yeah. Yeah. And and so it's 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 hard when you're in, in a situation, but you have to snap out of it. That's the only way you're going to move forward. And it's just so, so important, especially, especially in these times where everything's just being highlighted, where people's emotions have run rampant and everything is just bubbling to the surface. Mm-hmm. And so you've got it. My dad always used to say, like, and my mama says it these days too, 
there's always light at the end of the tunnel, no matter how, yes. how dark, how long and how dark that tunnel is. Eventually, you're going to get on the other side. Yes, eventually you will. Yeah, no, we feel that. I mean, we feel that our family is going to go through a couple of transitions with my spouse's job. Obviously, it's got to change if we're moving. <laughs> <laughs> it is going to change even if we don't move but like all these transitions our our family is going through and right now it's a little tough and we're having like these these hard like these difficult moments where like uh but you know you you got to focus on the next the next thing that's coming right Absolutely. so we have countdowns because my spouse is going to re- like retire from his current job and get a new flexible job and I'm going to tag team him and be like you're the predominant parent now you're the primary parent you get to take over have fun (laughs) tag you're in right but we're like focusing on instead of like being in this moment where this sucks so bad we're like but pretty soon that suck that part of the suck is going to be done right and so it is like knowing that eventually you're going to get through it yeah and not only that you know there's one thing that i haven't touched on that's fear and fear is what holds so many people back, right? It's like the better blocker. And fear, I mean, we know it means false evidence appearing real, but that's what blocks our mind. Our fear does that. When we let go of that fear and when we heal from our traumas, that's like, oh, but why was I so afraid of that? But I can do this. I can, you know, I can do this with my life or I can move to another country. Why not? Right. Why not? You yeah. can do anything you set your mind to. Well, except, you know, fly like Icarus in the sun. But, you know, <laughs> not like that. Anything that, like, physically humans can do. Yes. <laughs> Precisely that. Precisely that. But that, these are things that I had to learn because, you know, I walked around with so much hurt, with so much shame, with so much fear in me. I was always so afraid of hurting other people at mm-hmm. the end of the day. This moron here, this idiot, you know, got hurt herself because I was the one that was always getting hurt because I didn't dare to speak my mind because I was always being the doormat for other people and they wiped their feet repeatedly on me. And I just, I just took it. And that's not, that's, that's not right, you know? So I had to learn to step up for, to, to um, stand up for myself and speak, learn to speak my truth. Because honestly, I was a very, very timid mouse. And I've, I've regained a lot of my confidence now, even in the workplace. I will say it like it is. Not that everyone always appreciates it. I don't really <laughs> care. I mean, I accept people the way that they are. Mm-hmm. Um, and I understand that people vibrate at a different level of consciousness, a different level of awareness. But I've learned to forgive everyone in my life. I, I honestly have. And I can say that I love them because actually I do. And our nature is essentially love. That's what we are. As mm-hmm. we've been so conditioned uh, in this earthly jungle, right? I call it the insane asylum. Earth is the insane asylum. And we've been drip fed and uh, to live in this conditioned matrix, so to speak, this societal grid of existence. And once people wake up and they're like, oh, my God, this is not really living, you know, time for me to wake up and hop the fence and start truly living my life yeah yes oh my gosh I know I can I I 
I feel that so much in my soul. <laughs> it is, it's been, trust me, it's been a long process as you can relate, you know, it, yeah. it has definitely been a, a, a long process, but people need to know that it's possible, right? That That's the whole point of you coming on to share your story is to say like, look, it's possible to heal it's from possible. these things. Yes, yes, it is. And people say, but yeah, but I'm sorry, you were abused as a kid or you were sold as a kid. How can you forgive that person? How can you not when, you know, your essence is love and you just don't, you don't understand that anymore because we live so much in separation. And actually, it's like we don't even recognize one another anymore. We think we're all strangers in the street. And it doesn't cost anything to smile or to say hello or to be friendly to mm-hmm. other people, you know, and have a little bit of compassion and and empathy. It doesn't cost anything. You know, when I go to, for instance, a supermarket and one of the, the, the cashiers um, was at the self-checkout, I will always ask them if they're okay. Because yeah. it doesn't cost anything to say hello or how are you? It honestly doesn't. Mm-hmm. I think maybe in the States it's a little different, but here people are very much in their own lane. Oh, no, 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 no. It's the same here. At least in the northern part of the United States, it is like we're very, yeah, we're a very individualistic society in the United States. Like you might find pockets where people are like really collectivist and like communal, but like a lot of it is just very, we're, we're, we're conditioned to be very like individualistic. It's about me and those closest to me and screw everybody else, basically. So yeah. Um, there are pockets, but I would say for the most part, actually, I uh, I like social psychology. That's what I want my degree in. And we talk about this, about how the United States is an individualistic culture and for the most part. But again, there's pockets. But um, as we wrap up the podcast today, because, you know, time flies. It does fly. It does fly. I, I People are like, what? 45 minutes has already passed? Yes, it has. Um what would you like to leave the inspired women audience with? Ooh. It's wow. always the hardest question of the entire podcast. <laughs> well, it's not, I mean, yes. Um, I think the most important thing is to move from a state of disempowerment to mm-hmm. empowering ourselves, right? Taking back control of our lives and returning to the wholesomeness of our authentic nature. People will say, what the hell is our authentic nature anyway? It's learning to live a mindful life rather than having a mindful of things. Yeah. So becoming conscious, becoming aware of your thoughts, aware of your actions, aware in everything that you do. Because we don't, we run around like programmed. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, exiting that programming and starting to live your life, as I said earlier, rather than being lived and doing something with your life, because it's not all about, about working along the assembly. I always call it this, you know, we're like robots working along the assembly line mm-hmm. of the factory of, of life, of the earthly life. And that's not what we were designed. Our souls were not designed to live that way. It's really about figuring out what do you want out of life Mm -hmm. and going for that. 
And that is, you know, taking back your I am power. It's so, so important. And to heal from your trauma and to take that accountability for everything that's happened in your life and to learn to forgive others and to love others. Because by doing so, you change your thinking, you change the energy, you know, in your energy field, so to speak, and you attract different things in your life, different opportunities. If one door closes, another one opens. Yes. And so if you, yeah. And I will say this, if you understand that everything is energy and that you are energy, then you understand that anything is possible. Yes. And I want to add, and I hope you agree, it's not about self-blame. It is about saying I I had a, a part in what happened. Whether like that part was like like beyond our control, you were a child, right? That was beyond your control to live with the friend, right? That's not something you got to actively choose, but we get to actively choose to heal from that. Yes, absolutely agree. Absolutely. Okay. And that is a choice, whether we choose to heal or not. Yes. I'm glad because as a uh, domestic violence survivor myself, I, I don't want people to be like, Oh, you're saying that I'm to blame that my significant other beat me up. We're not saying that. What we're saying is like, we have to take accountability for like the trauma that happened and heal from it. That's our accountability is healing. Yes. And the more you keep pointing the finger at other people playing that blame game, the more you deviate away from yourself, the more you keep playing Houdini with yourself. You know, I call it the whack-a-moleing the emotions. Yeah. <laughs> you Eventually just, it's going to go boom. They just have room in your brain, right? They have space in, in your head. Like if you just let them live there, they'll, they'll, they will live there. But you just got to evict them and be like, bye, you don't have control of my life anymore. Exactly. You need to kick those pesky demons in your mind to the curb. Absolutely. Well, Birgitta, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Thank you so much for having me, Megan. Thank you for being a part of the Inspired Women audience. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a rating review. And don't forget to share this out with somebody who could use some inspiration today. Tag us at Inspired Women Podcast, both on Facebook and Instagram. Have a great day.